Well, if you have found the Lord God to be faithful in your life, would you say amen? Amen and amen. Let me invite you to take your Bible this morning. Find the book of Romans in chapter 14. Romans chapter number 14. We are in a study. We're in a series called One Another. 50 plus commands in the New Testament regarding one another. God really cares about how we treat each other. And we've been learning together. We've been looking together at some of these passages. We won't study together all 50 plus of these commands, but we've looked together at the command that says that you and I are to love one another. We're to serve one another. We're to accept one another. We're to bear one another's burdens. We are to forgive one another. And this morning in Romans chapter 14, you and I are going to examine this command that you and I are to not judge one another. Do not judge one another. Romans chapter 14, I'll begin reading in verse number 10, just in honor of the reading of God's holy word. Would you stand as we examine this text and read it together. Romans chapter 14, beginning in verse number 10, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. And as I do every week, I want to encourage you to take a pencil, a pen, something you can write with, As you and I just dive into the scriptures together, I pray there's something that we see together that is not just a a challenge to you, but it's an encouragement to you, but something that perhaps you've not considered, you've not seen as we study the scriptures together. As you and I think about this command, do not judge one another. I think that you and I would first of all say this. We look around today in churches, we look at social media today, we see what's happening across our nation. I think that you and I would agree, there's a a lot of judging going on. As a matter of fact, somebody said it's probably the number one most favored indoor sport of many Christians is this judging one another. One of the things that's very difficult for us is to determine the difference, to distinguish between judging someone versus inspecting their fruit. Jesus said you could tell a you could tell a tree by its fruit. You could tell a Christian by the, the fruit that he or she bears. And the fact the Bible teaches that you and I as Christians that we ought to be in some ways you ought to be fruit inspectors. We ought to pinch the fruit a little bit. But we've got to be able to determine and distinguish the difference between fruit inspecting and judging one another. 
Now, what the Apostle Paul does here in the book of Romans, in particular chapter 14 and chapter number 15, is that Paul lays out some very important guidelines for us if we're going to be the kind of Christian that truly cares, that truly seeks to make an impact and a difference in this lost world, what are the guidelines with regard to fruit inspecting and judging? So if you have your pen, write this down, guideline number one. We must exercise loving discernment. We must, number one, exercise loving discernment. And what I want you to write, maybe in the margin of your Bible, next to that passage, is this statement. Christian love is not blind. Christian love is not blind. As a matter of fact, the apostle Paul prayed for the church at Philippi. He prayed for those Philippians. In Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 9, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all, say it, discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. So Paul tells them as he's praying for those Philippians, he's praying that they might have discernment, loving discernment, careful discernment, gracious discernment. Christians are to exercise discernment. We're not to walk around with our eyes closed. Now, are we to love everybody? Yes, we're to love everyone regardless. We're to love our brothers. We're to love our sisters. We're to love the lost. And yes, we're even to love our enemies, but with discernment. Can I say it again? Christian love is not blind. When Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and there was a great crowd of people there on that mountainside, Jesus made this statement in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 6. He said, do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before the pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, in order for you and I to make sure that we don't throw our pearls to the swine, to the pigs, that we don't uh, give what not ought to be given, but give it to the dogs, we've got to have discernment. We've got to be able to discern as Christians who are the dogs, who are the pigs, and who are the sheep. And that's what he's telling us this, this in this, this sermon. I mean, listen, we've got to be able to discern. And we are not to distribute the treasures of the grace of God indiscriminately. We must exercise as Christians discernment. And even with that discernment, we've got to be careful because even Christian discernment, the reason it must be loving discernment is because discernment can very easily move to having a judgmental attitude. And trying to be true to God, we can kind of become critical. We can become condemning. And we can even come to this place that unless Everything else that everybody else has done, does is wrong, and we're the only one that does what is right. And so we must exercise loving discernment. It's you and I praying this 
God, I need to know. I need your spirit to guide me. It's one of the reasons on Wednesday night we took several weeks to study together the person and the work and the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian. The reason we're studying beginning this past Wednesday and these weeks ahead, some of these different motivational gifts because God has given us his presence, the presence of his spirit. He's also given us some particular gifts and we are to practice and exercise loving discernment, to be able to discern as we live our life the difference between the pigs and the dogs and the sheep. We need to be able to discern what is right and what is good and what is holy. And we need to be able to discern the difference between inspecting fruit and passing judgment. And so it's very important, guideline number, number one, we must exercise loving discernment. Guideline number two, we must experience self-awareness. We must experience self-awareness. Guideline number two. Now listen carefully. In the Bible, we are not told that it's wrong to help a brother or help a sister by pointing out their weakness. What we are told is that we must start by examining ourselves. Again, Matthew chapter 7 Verse number one, the words of our Lord Jesus, judge not that you be not judged. I mean, oh, we've heard that many times, right? I mean, we've heard that, oh, when we make a statement, even a statement of truth, all the world or that believer would say something like this, judge not lest you be judged. Well, that's right and that's true, but don't you understand the context Maybe what you ought to do is not just read or quote verse number one. Maybe you ought to read verse number two. Because in verse number two, Jesus said this, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it will be measured to you. And what Jesus is saying here, in other words, you get back just what you give. If you're critical, then listen, in turn, people are going to be critical towards you. Listen, I've known people in my life, I'm sure you have as well. I mean, their natural tendency is to be critical. And what do, what do they receive in return? Criticism. And that's what Jesus is saying. Listen, if you're judgmental and you're fault-finding, then in turn, that will be given to you. So we just have to be careful. Jesus is not saying, as the Christian, as a child of God, he is not saying that we ought not be discerning, that we ought not judge. What he's saying is be very careful. In fact, listen, he goes on to say in the next couple of three verses, verse 3 and verse 4, he says this in Matthew chapter, why, why do you see the speck? that is in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that is in your own eye. Look at the very next verse, verse 4. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? Now, I'm sure that when Jesus, in preaching this to this multitude, I'm sure that when Jesus said that, there was incredible laughter that erupted across that whole mountainside. In fact, part of the Eastern culture in telling stories in teaching and education was the use of exaggeration. And so Jesus says, listen, don't judge. Be careful. 
Because understand that when you judge, how you judge is going to be turned toward you. If you're, if you're uh, fault-finding, if you're critical, if you're, if you're extreme in that way, listen, you just need to know that's what's coming back to you. In fact, before you begin inspecting fruit, before you begin looking at others and pointing out your brother's or your sister's weakness, before you do that, you may want to self-examine. You may want to take a closer look. Because who are you to remove a speck out of your brother or your sister's eye when there's a log out of your own? I remember several years ago, I was doing some work and got a little tiny bit of concrete in my eye. And I mean, just irritated it, irritated, flushed it, couldn't, couldn't wash it out. Ultimately went to the doctor and with, with great uh, care was able to remove that, that little bit of a, sand, kind of a little rock, but I can't imagine as I could not see out of that eye in the irritation that this illustration, this example of Jesus says, who, who are you to try to remove the speck when you've got a log coming out of your own eye? And so it's a thing that we have to consider. Look at verse number five again of Matthew chapter, chapter seven. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you'll be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Here's what Jesus is saying. First of all, you need to know that we're to be discerning. We are not to live the Christian life with our eyes closed. We need to make sure and discerning enough that we're not casting pearls, the grace of God, indiscriminately. Jesus, that's the command of our Lord. And he doesn't say, as a matter of fact, as you read and study the book of Romans, as you read and study the, the Gospels, you understand the command is not, listen, it's not that we don't judge, just understand how you're to do it and what it looks like. First of all, how you judge is how you're going to be judged. And before you begin pointing out the faults or the mistakes or the weaknesses in your brother or sister's life, you better first Take a very close self-examination. Before I point out your weakness, before I try to help you, here's the question I need to ask. Is this true of my own life? Before I look at Lonnie or Ronnie and say, hey, here's a weakness I see in your life. I need to, I need to look first. I need to see God. Show me Alan. Do I have the same weakness? What about my own life? I'm going to tell you what happens. I'm going to tell you what happens when you, before you start pointing out other people's faults, other people's weaknesses, other people's problems, if you will first take, take a very close self-examination, God, I, I'm asking you to point the mirror toward me that I may see my own heart, my own life, my own weaknesses, my own difficulties. I'm going to tell you what happens. First of all, you're able actually to see more clearly your brother's faults, your sister's faults. You're able to see uh, a lot clearer. The other thing that it does when I look at my own issues is that what it does is I have more compassion. I not only can see more clearly when I self-examine and I deal with my own weaknesses, my own problems with God, I can not only see more clearly, but I actually have more compassion. 
Because I go to my brother and trying to help my brother or my sister. I'm trying to help them as the weaker Christian. But I have a whole lot more compassion when I understand I've got my own issues. That I'm far from perfect. And so we need to understand, listen, when I go to the eye doctor and I have a little speck in my eye, I don't want to go to the eye doctor and the eye doctor starts breaking out his wrenches and his crowbars. I want an eye doctor who, who's compassionate, tender, delicate. And so listen, the warning here, the word here is that, listen, you need, to, you need to self-examine. You need to deal with your own life, your own faults, so that it will help you when you deal with your weaker brother, your weaker sister, that you're able to do it with love and compassion and tenderness and delicacy. So number one, we must exercise loving discernment. Number two, we must experience self-awareness. Guideline number three, we must extend God's grace. We must extend God's grace. We're here in Romans chapter 14. Look at verse number nine. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Y'all just underline that little word Lord there. Jesus came to this earth, he lived, he died, he rose again in order to be Lord, Lord of the dead, Lord of the living. Here's what you need to know. Jesus Christ is Lord. See, we often say something like this. You need to make, you need to make Jesus Lord. Listen, listen to me, look up here. You don't need to make Jesus Lord. He's already Lord. He conquered death. He conquered the grave. God raised him again. He holds in his hand the keys over death and the grave. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, I know that your team got beat yesterday. But that was weak and that was sad. Alabama lost. Auburn lost. South Alabama lost. Tennessee won. That's enough to get anybody in deep depression. So I'm going to give you another chance. Listen to me. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. He's Lord. Can I give you the rest of it? You're not. You are not Lord. So be very careful in you trying to be Lord in someone else's life. Be very careful in trying to be Jesus in someone else's life. This is the teaching. This is, this is the idea. He's, he's talking about here the fact that Jesus is Lord and you're not. So be very careful when you start dealing with the lives of other people. We are not to play God in the lives of other people. Part of the reason we did the study of the Holy Spirit is so that you'll know it's not wise for you to try to play the role of the Holy Spirit in somebody else's life. So that's verse number nine. Paul lays the groundwork here in talking about this idea of judging others, helping the, the weaker brother, helping the weaker sister. He lays the ground foundation by saying, listen, you need to know Jesus Christ is Lord. You are not. 
So be very careful when you're trying to play God in someone else's life. That's verse number 9. Look at the very next verse, verse number 10 of Romans 14. Why then? Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Let's just pause there for a second. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Now what Paul's talking about here is he's talking about the weaker Christian who was accusing the stronger Christians in the church. And we'll explain it in a moment, but that's what that verse needs. Let's go back to verse 14. I mean, uh, verse number 10, 14, 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? He's talking about the weaker passing judgment on the stronger. And then, or you, why do you despise your brother? The stronger Christians were despising the weaker Christians. Why are you doing that? Go back to the verse, verse number 10. For we, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, here's what was happening. Here's what was happening in, in that church, in the early church. There were stronger Christians. There were weaker Christians. And what we're understanding is, is that through the old covenant, there were foods that were clean and there were foods that were unclean. And so what happened under the new covenant is that those foods were, were, were negated, is that all foods became clean. In fact, so what was happening is, is that the younger Christians uh, that were weaker, they had become legalistic. And so the older Christians, the more mature Christians, they were saying, listen, you don't need to be this way with regard to the, the foods. Because the apostles said, under the new covenant in Christ, all foods are clean. All foods are good. And what you're doing is, as a younger Christian, a younger believer, is that you've become very legalistic. Well, the younger Christians, the weaker Christians, they were saying, well... Um, you shouldn't be eating this. You shouldn't be doing this. So there was this great division that was happening in the early church about these, about these things. And so this is what Paul is addressing. This is what Paul is dealing with in Romans chapter 14 and verses 14 and 15. In fact, look at it in the, uh, in the NIV, uh, the New International Version. Uh, I am convinced being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or your sister is distressed because of what you eat, listen, you're no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. So what is he talking about here? What is the Apostle Paul, what is he talking about when he's talking about these foods and, and what to eat and what not to eat? He's talking about priorities. Paul says, listen, let me just try to settle this because the church is, the church is erupting. The church is divided. Are the older, more mature Christians, are they right that, yes, all foods are clean? Absolutely. Are the younger, the weaker Christians, are, are, are they wrong? They are wrong, but what he's saying is, now listen, because they're weaker, because they're younger, you need to help them. Don't try to wreck their life. Don't try to destroy them. You, you've got to kind of list some priorities. You've got to understand that some things are worth fighting about and some things are not. 
We talked about it a few weeks ago. We talked about the essentials of the faith and the non-essentials of the faith. This is what Paul's talking about here. Now, when it comes to the essentials, what did we say? There must be unity. But when it comes to the non-essentials, right, there must be liberty. There must be freedom in the non-essentials. And this is what Paul's saying. Listen, when it comes to just food or drink, that's a non-essential item. Don't fight and don't argue and don't split the church or your Sunday school class or your life group over a non-essential. You've got to figure out the priorities. He goes on to say in that same chapter in verse number 20, he says this. Verse number 20. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it's wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. Isn't that interesting how it begins that verse in verse number 20? He says, listen, I'm telling you, yes, all food, it's clean. But do not allow this non-essential issue, what does it say? To destroy the work of God. And what we're seeing in America and what we're seeing in churches is that we're, we're, we're utilizing, we're making things that are non-essentials, essentials. And we're splitting and dividing Sunday school classes, life groups, and we're seeing churches divided. You probably heard about the farmer who was, who was out working in his in his in, in his uh, in the garden in the in the farm and and he has his hoe and he's working and he's tending it and and he sees a mouse and he and he tries to he tries to kill the mouse and he begins to to run and and hack and 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 try with all of his might to to kill the mouse and it takes him like thirty minutes until the the deed is done. But when he looks back, he's destroyed about a quarter acre of his farm. Listen to me. Can you make your point? Yes. Can you make your point to such an extreme as that you destroy the work of God? You split a Sunday school class. You split a life group. You cause division in the church. I've seen in my life, I've seen in my ministry, Sunday school classes split over a particular version of the Bible that's, that's taught or read. Are there some translations that are more word for word as opposed to phrase by phrase or thought by thought? Yes. Are there some translations that are, that are not translations at all? They're more paraphrases? Yes. But what we teach here is translations. But your one particular translation is not worth splitting a Sunday school class. Are there some things out there that are, that are, that are just way off? Absolutely. But can I tell you that we're wise enough, we're discerning enough, we're smart enough to discern? Listen, and I will just tell you this. God who created the heavens and the earth who flung out the sun and the moon and the stars and heaped out the oceans and, 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 and scooped out the oceans and heaped up the mountains. God is big enough to preserve his word. He's done it for thousands of years. And some of you pick one little issue and you'll split a class or you'll cause division in a church. It's a non-essential. You can destroy the, the farm over it. 
a mask. It's amazing what we're seeing in churches today, people today. Is it an issue? Yes. Is it important? Yes. Is it worth splitting a church? No. Is it worth destroying the work of God? No. Baptists are the worst. True story. First church, Mariana, Florida. Very first business meeting. Had our meeting. The chairman of the property and grounds committee got up. We've got a very important issue we have to deal with tonight. We need to decide on which vacuum cleaner we're going to buy for the church. (laughs) Under God, I'm telling the truth. We have here a Hoover. Comes highly recommended. Right over here, we have a Bissell. It comes highly recommended. I've bought both of them. And tonight we're going to decide which one, and I'm going to take one of them back. He reaches back. He has a cup of dirt. And he pours a little dirt out here, a little dirt out over here. And listen, he turns on the vacuum cleaner, and the church was to look at which vacuum cleaner does the better job, and we had a vote on it. My very first business meeting as a pastor of that church, I looked at Kathy. We're not going to make it here. We're not going to survive it here. (laughs) Our church voted as a church body of which vacuum cleaner to buy. I've been in churches where the church voted on what color the carpet ought to be. What color we ought to paint the walls. When are are we going to vote that we're going to fulfill the Great Commission and start reaching the lost. Listen, I've been in church. I have pastored churches where it's been split and divided over silly, non-essential items. And Paul's saying, listen, be discerning. We must exercise loving discernment. We must experience self-awareness. We we must extend the grace of God. Notice what he goes on to say, because understand when the Scripture is written, there there weren't verse numbers, there weren't chapter numbers. Romans chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Verse 2, let each of us please his neighbor, neighbor, for his good, to build him up. You ought to underline that phrase, for his good. For, the, for those of you that are, that are parents in the room, there are things that your children, that they want, that you don't give them. There are things that you don't do just because they want them, right? I mean, to be a good parent and to help them grow, there's some things that they want, you just don't give them. But we can also admit this and know this to be true, that as a parent, we make adjustments, right? We make adjustments in our life for our children, for their good, so they'll grow up. When they're babies, right, when we first bring them home on the hospital, we make all of these adjustments in our schedule for our babies 
for their good so they'll grow properly. When they get a little bit bigger, when they get a little bit older, when they go to school, guess what we do? We adjust our schedules. We make these adjustments for our children, for their good, so they'll grow. And what Paul is saying is that, listen, you may be more mature, you may be stronger. Make adjustments. Be willing to make adjustments. Be willing to let some things go for their good so they'll grow. So the strong Christian is to consider the weak Christian and not simply, what does he say? Please yourself. Listen to me. It is not wrong to exercise judgment. It is very wrong to be judgmental. It's wrong to think that you are the only one that's right. Jesus is Lord, and his lordship in our lives solves so many problems. Be loving and tender and kind and patient and seek as much as possible to help your brothers and sisters grow. One final statement. Listen carefully. Christians who care, Christians who care do not judge one another. Let's bow together. Let's pray together. The band is going to come and we're going to worship together. The altar is going to be open. Pastors are going to be standing here in the front. They would love to pray with you. They would love to pray for you. Can I ask you a question as your head is bowed? How about your family? How about your life group? How critical are you? How judgmental are you? How much of a fault finder are you? First of all, with that same extent, will be turned towards you. So don't be shocked when other people are critical of you or don't want to be around you or don't want to listen to you. If Jesus Christ is Lord and you're not, have you been trying to play God in someone else's life? Trying to play the role of the Holy Spirit? How about extending grace? Maybe it's this. It's, it's, God, I need discernment of what do I speak to how do I handle? How do I dwell? Doing it in love, doing it in tenderness, doing it in kindness. Lord, show me in my own life the speck, the log in my own eye before I try to help my weaker brother or sister. God, have I been unloving? Have I been unkind? This thing that I've been so strong about, is it really an essential of the faith? Or is it a non-essential? It's important, but it's a non-essential. And should I, in that case, give liberty? Here's the question. Lord, 
How should I love my weaker brother, my weaker sister? There are some of you here this morning that really just need to, you need to apologize to somebody. Maybe this morning there's someone here that needs to give their life to Jesus. You see, you've been Lord of your life. And you see how that's gone. And this very morning, you need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is Lord. And you need to recognize it and acknowledge it. And you need to surrender to his Lordship in your own life. We would love to help you with that. Heavenly Father, I pray that in these next moments as we worship together, we're, we're obedient. I pray for courage this morning for these who, who need to yield, who need to surrender. For, for these this morning who have, maybe they've demonstrated some, some callousness in, in dealing with another Christian a younger, a weaker Christian hasn't handled that in the best way. I pray, Lord, that we're able to discern who are the pigs and who are the dogs and who are the sheep. Lord, give us wisdom, give us discernment, Help us to exhibit loving kindness and grace. And help us to take a very close look at ourselves before we go try to help someone else. Lord, it's simply this. <laughs> help us to be more like you. Help us to be more like Jesus. And this in your name we pray.